the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have an enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Alright, come with me to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 1. We are reading it together. One go. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm alive. Alright. He said, you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. In which you once walked according to the cause of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. But God, among whom also we once conducted ourselves. Now, let's just do it again and let me show you something. Because the tense of the reading is very, very important here. Let's start from verse 1. You he made alive. You he made alive. So everything he's saying here is in the past. It's happened already. All right. You he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. You were dead. It means that at the time he's speaking to them, they are not dead. Are you with me here? Yeah, this is Paul. He's speaking to them. He said, at the time he's speaking to them, they are not dead. But he said, you, he made you alive. Most of the time, when you ask somebody, are you a Christian? And you ask them, why are you a Christian? They can't tell. The average person cannot tell. And I don't want to pastor anybody who cannot explain his salvation. I don't want to. I don't want to. Not because I didn't teach you. Maybe I taught you and you were not careful enough or you were not serious enough to learn it. That's your business. But I don't want to. Because it's fundamental. You ask a believer, where you die tomorrow, where are you going? I can't tell. Only God can tell. Then what have you been doing? Wasting your time? Lifting your hands coming to church? What is the meaning of all of that? If he was to decide where you end after you are dead and you don't have a say-so in it, what's the meaning of that? A lot of believers serve God under condemnation and that guilt consistently because this subject of salvation, we don't fully understand it like we ought to. That's why I'm spending some time here doing this particular thing because if Satan can beat you on the revelation about salvation, he will floor you forever and perpetually. The revelation and the insight about salvation and what it is we have in Christ is so important that Paul said, I have to pray constantly for you so God will give you a revelation of it. Because, you see, when I speak about it to you, you can't conceive it. You can't understand it. Your intellectual skill or your intellectual power cannot be able to conceive that which happened when you became a Christian. Some people think that Jesus came to make good people better. No, no. They think that Jesus came to make people who are drinking stop drinking. 
It's a small microcosm part of it. He did not come to attend to people who were living. He came to make dead people live. He came to make who? Dead people live. When you think that his coming is just to save you and the salvation, your understanding of it is that I used to drink, I'm no longer drinking. That one, there are people who don't believe in Jesus who are by sheer of willpower have stopped drinking. They've stopped drinking. So if you are still struggling with beer and star, <laughs> as a believer, <laughs> oh, your own case is a very serious case. Are you with me here? Yeah, because our people, they don't go to church. They don't drink. They have just one woman as their wife. That's all. That's all. They are not born again. So when we talk about the new birth, it's a supernatural experience and we need a revelation of that. He said, you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. And there are Christians who also are not excited about their Christian life because they are constantly envying unbelievers who are supposedly doing well. They are driving a big car, so they are jealous of him. They live in a nice, posh environment. They are jealous of him. You see, <laughs> it's because you don't understand these things we are talking about. Because I don't think you will go to a person who is laid in state and be jealous that you are not the one lying in state. You go to a funeral and then somebody is laid in state and you are so sad. And the reason why you are sad is because you wish you were the one lying in state. Yeah. But you see, every time you wish for the car of an unbeliever, that's what you are looking at. Your values are misplaced totally. That's why, you see, when you have a better revelation of the gospel, the way you handle believers is different. The way you handle a Christian is different. Some of you treat unbelievers with great respect than you do a least believer in the church. Yeah, because your values are wrong. <laughs> this is a man who is pampering and saying yes sir to a dead man. But he won't say yes sir to a colleague who is in the faith and is born again. Am I communicating here? Yeah. There's a way philosophy will give you a picture of man. Man is wicked. Man is uh, reckless. Man is no. Man is dead. You see, sometimes when you are passing on a very serious information, you use a lot of euphemisms just to make sure that you reduce the weight and the impact of what you are saying. I remember one of our members here, I think she used to be here, his daddy passed, and then they called me that I should pass on the information to him because they felt that they couldn't uh, do it proper. So I should call him and tell him, as if I'm an announcer of evil news. <laughs> but of course, that was not the context. So, I called him and I was telling him, asking him about his day, blah, 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 blah. And I had to go around uh, before I now came to where I wanted to come to. But when Paul is speaking, he didn't waste time at all. He said, you, you were dead. I want you to know you were dead. He said, the life I now live in the flesh. I'm crucified with Christ. Yeah, but it's not I, but Christ I live. The life I now live, I live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, because we don't understand that we were dead and we have been raised, we can use our lives for ourselves. The reason why you are living for yourself is because you think that you just have your life. But the life has been gifted to you. I said your life has been what? Gifted to you. You have been gifted a life. You've been gifted a life. You were dead. And the reason why you were dead is clearly spelled out. In trespasses and sins. Then he says, by you. You who were dead in trespasses and sins. In which you once walked. 
So he's assuming that you understand that that phase has passed. Once you walk according to the course of the word, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all, now he has added himself to it. He said, you were dead. But here, he said, among us, we all once conducted ourselves in the last of our flesh. Whatever our body wanted, whatever our flesh wanted, we did. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh. I just desire that I'll have fun. Today, I want to just uh, drink some three bottles of beer. That's what you desire. Then you just drink it. I just want to pass through some place and have some fun, nice time with some girls today. I just go ahead and do it. That's what Paul was talking about. That's all. There was no restraint. He said they were doing, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And he says, and were by nature, because of these things, by nature you were the children of wrath, just as others. Just as what? Others. But, somebody say but. You know, you will not appreciate the but until you have taken time to understand. Before Paul begins to introduce us to the subject of salvation by grace, he tells us the state we were in. It was a very dark state. It was a very bad state. It's not a state anybody was happy about or will be happy about. When somebody dies, nobody is happy. No matter how old the person is. No matter how old the person is. And I think that even that one, sometimes tradition is part of it. Some people are too old. When they go, we should just thank God for them and let them go. One of my father's wives, okay? I've already told you that my father had a lot of wives, okay? He was not born again, so he could do that. Amen? Yeah, it's not an example for any of us here. Yeah. So if you are thinking about it, that is not the way of a believer. Okay? Turn to your name and say, that's not the way of a believer. Yeah, so. so, my mom was the last but one, and then uh, there's the last one. But among those who are elderly, five of them are fast, and then I have three of them outstanding. My mom is alive, and then uh, one of the oldest ones, those who are alive, my mother is the second oldest. And then the one who is oldest is about 100 and something years. And sometimes when we visit her, we say, Mommy, she's tired of this life. She's tired of this life. You know, when life in the flesh is going good for you, you want it to continue too long. Sometimes you can see that this person is sick and the people who are taking care of him, they are actually not comfortable. But they are still pretending. When he dies, they are pretending. AJ, AJ, who didn't die? See, that, that kind of hypocrisy, we should stop it. I don't think it's right. I don't think it's right. Africans can pretend a lot. The person is, is going, you are thinking about, hey, I'm not able to take care of my job. I'm not able to do this. And uh, you are complaining, angry, and bitter in your heart. Yet when he dies, that's not a spirit. It's not a good spirit. Let's come out of it as Ghanaians. Am I communicating here? Yeah. Let's come out of it. Our mindset must be renewed. And for us who are born again, when somebody dies as a believer, our attitude should be different. Our attitude should be different. Our attitude should be different. I'll teach about it because, Pastor James, I don't want to assume anything. I don't want to assume that you know anything. I don't want to assume anything. And I think it's one of the signs of a good pastor. Don't assume that your people know anything. Teach everything. Yeah, teach everything. Because you'll be amazed what people do with the knowledge they have. Okay, 
So he paints a very bad picture, very, very serious picture. That's what I showed you last week. The picture before and the picture after. Okay? Now, we saw the picture before of those who had made makeup. If you have that picture, you can show us. Then he tells us, but God. Somebody say, but God. God. Now, the word but is introducing something new, but in the positive. He said, you were number one. Before Christ, you were dead. Last week, we looked at six things, right? Before Christ, you were what? Dead. Before Christ, we were drifting along. We moved just as we wanted. Before Christ, we were disobedient, children of disobedience. Before Christ, we were dominated by evil desires and Satan, the prince of the power of the air. And before Christ, we were destined for the wrath of God. Is it not bad enough? Is it not bad enough? Now, listen, I was thinking about this yesterday, and the scripture, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation came into my heart. Today, when Christians are happy, it's because they have a household. That's why they are happy. That's why they are happy. They are happy because I finally finished my house. Praise the Lord. That's not a spiritual Christian. That's, it's good. I'm not saying it's bad to build a house. No, at all. But that's not what excites a spiritual Christian most. David was speaking. He said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. You see, when you understand that this was your destiny and all of that has been changed because you placed your faith in Christ, you will always be joyful in your dedication to God. Do you understand what I'm saying? You will always be joyful. There are some people, they need to be one and one like a gramophone. When they come to church, you have to say, oh, manna, before they can open their mouth and sing because they don't know what God accomplished in Christ for them. They have a tall list of what God wants to do. You see, it's not what you want God done that is important. It's what he has done already. Some of you are presenting your wants. God has taken care of your needs. And you are still not appreciative that he has taken care of your needs. He said, but God. Somebody say, but God. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love. Follow this. Because of his great love. If I really have time, I'll pick every one of them. But I don't have so much time, so I'll just rush through it a bit. And I'll come back to it. These are fundamentals of the faith. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us. Somebody say, God loved me greatly. Say, God loves me greatly. And this is enough to kill self-esteem from your life. You simply don't know the things people do just to feel that they are loved. They want to be felt loved. Yeah, God loves me greatly because of his great love which he had loved us. Verse (laughs) 5. Even when we were dead in trespasses made us made us made us together with Christ. By grace you have been by grace you have been by grace you have been that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. In the ages to come, through all of eternity. Do you know one of the reasons why we'll be praising God? Because of his grace. Because of his grace. We'll be praising him throughout all of eternity. All of his eternity. We'll be praising God because of his grace. Grace is a subject that begins with God and grace is a subject that ends in God. It has no end. Grace is not just a teaching or a dispensation. Grace is in the person of Christ. Can somebody say an amen? Amen. Say an amen. Amen. 
Then he says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Verse 10, for we are his, for we are his, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Loaded, 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 loaded. I want to encourage you to make sure you memorize that text because it's very important. Ephesians 2 verse 8 to 10. Memorize it. Whichever version is okay for you. For by grace we are saved through faith and that not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In this service, I want to look at eight great truths about Bible salvation. When we talk about a person is saved in a Christian sense, because all of us, when you are asked, are you born again? Lately, when I'm moving around with some of these Uber guys, I ask, are you born again? He says, I go to church. That's not what I'm talking about. Being born again is not going to church. It may be useful after you are born again, but going to church and being born again are not the same. You can be in church and yet your destiny is hell because you have not placed your faith in Christ. Alright? So, we are looking at eight great truths about Bible salvation. In most churches, when they talk about salvation, it's in whether or not you wear scarf. Because we know of people who say they have gone to hell and come back. And they said if a woman wears lipstick, she's bound for hell. She's bound for hell. If a woman wears trousers, there's no way he can make it. And there are times where you go for meetings and people are praying, let's pray that we don't miss heaven. Somebody who is born again, he's praying that he doesn't miss heaven. The understanding is wrong. The understanding is wrong. And I want you to get it right here. Number one, Bible salvation is made possible because of God's rich mercy and great love for humanity. Bible salvation is possible because of God's great mercy and great love for humanity. That is it. He said, but we were destined for hell, but God with rich mercy. We were isolated from God. We were perpetually going to be separated from God, but God who is rich in mercy. Somebody say rich in mercy. God's rich mercies reach out toward us. When we deserve judgment and eternity in hell, God reached out to us. When we talk about mercy, mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. Mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. What we deserved by reason of our sin was hell and eternity away from God. God told Adam, the day you sin, you will surely die. And because God does not want Adam to die eternally, he rather came, became man, and died in Adam's place. So that now, anyone who places his faith in Christ will live eternally and not die. Can somebody say an amen? amen? But God, who is rich in mercy, it was rich mercies, great mercy that made him assume the place of man. When you saw Jesus born as a man and conceived in the womb of Mary, went through all the things, it was God demonstrating mercy. Somebody say mercy. Amen. That's God's mercy. We are products of mercy. You have to understand that. When we are thinking about your grace, your mercies endures forever. You don't understand. It is his mercies you stand complete in his presence. It's of the Lord's mercies we are not consumed. His compassion fail not. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Come, somebody say, I'm a product of mercy. He said, but God, who is rich in mercy. And when we talk about God, God is not deficient in mercy. He's rich in it. 
God is what? Rich in mercies. Endures forever. He is rich in it. He is not broke. Now, if, if God were to be man, you would say that one of the things he, 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 he has he adequate supply of is rich mercies. Somebody say rich in mercy. Oh, the word rich appears multiple times in the book of Ephesians. But one of the things he is used to describe is the mercy of God. God is rich in mercy. So we are saved because of God's rich mercy. Somebody say God's rich mercy. Look at Apostle Paul. He said, I thank 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 12. I thank Christ Jesus. 1 Timothy, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled what? Me. Because he counted me faithful, putting me into the, into the, verse 13. He said, who, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man, but I did what? Now listen. Paul, what Paul is saying that everything I have become began when I obtained mercy. Today, God is giving mercy to someone. Yes. You may be in this church and you are not born again. And you just came in. I want you to know that God is not uh, looking for you to kill you. He's merciful towards you. He said, but I obtained mercy. I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Everybody who is walking in unbelief is a candidate of God's mercy. He said, but God who is rich, I obtain mercy. Somebody say mercy. mercy. Say mercy. mercy. That's where it starts from. So, the mercy of God. This is how somebody illustrated the mercy of God. Mercy is by grace we are saved through faith. It is not. This is how mercy and grace are distinguished. One, someone illustrated in this way. He said, if a person murdered your son and was condemned to death, and you let the Lord take his course, that will be what? That will be what? That will be justice. That will be justice. Somebody has murdered your child or something, and then they are, they are arrested under the law, and then he's been uh, uh, taken for the due punishment. That is justice. That's justice, and it's fine. Okay? Now, then he says, if you plead for the murderer's life to be spared, that will be mercy. That will be what? So, somebody has killed your son and then you say, uh, let the Lord take his course. They say, we are going to uh, let him give him the electric chair or we are giving him life in prison as we say in Ghana. Then, that will be justice. But you say, okay, now I don't want this person to go through that torturous death. This is what I want us to do. I want him to be spared. That is mercy. But what God did to bring us salvation was not just mercy. There are three elements, virtues of God. One day I'll teach about it. Three virtues of God that work together to bring man salvation. We have the love of God. We have the, the grace of God. We have the love of God. And we have the mercy of God. Working together. This is grace. Look at grace. This is how grace works. But if you took the murderer of your son out of prison, brought him into your home, adopted him as your son and gave him all the love and the privileges and the inheritance you would have given your own son. That's grace. Do you understand grace? That's grace and that's what God has done for us. That's what God has done for us. We deserve hell. Jesus went there for us. Not only has he saved us and spared us eternal hell, but he has also given us all things that pertains to life and godliness right here. Now, when you understand the grace of God like this, there is nothing you cannot give up for the Lord. I'm not communicating here. That's grace. 
I'll read it again. If a person murdered your son and was condemned to death, and you let the law take its course, that is justice. If you plead for the murderer's life to be spared, that will be mercy. But if you took the murderer of your son out of prison, brought him into your home, just imagine it, brought him into your home, adopted him as your son, and gave him all the love and the privileges and inheritance that you would have given your own son, that is grace. Somebody say, that is grace. So when you hear of amazing grace, think of it like that. But we are saying that salvation by grace happened by what means? It's made possible through what? God's rich mercy and great love for humanity. Apostle John is called the apostle of love. He described himself as the apostle whom Jesus loved. Nobody in the New Testament wrote extensively about love the way Apostle uh, John wrote about love. And when he was describing the love of God for us, he, he was lost with words. So he would say, for God so loved the world. Because he couldn't describe it. He couldn't have appropriate description, a word to describe it. So he said, so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have what? Have ever First John 3, 1, he said, what manner of love? Every time the man talked about the love of God, he was exclaiming, what manner, behold, what manner of love that the Father had bestowed unto us, that we should, think about we, who you were, we drunkards, we who were drug addicts, we who were womanizers, we should be called the children of God. Can somebody say an amen? amen. That's the love of God, that you should be called the child of God is the love of God. It's the love of God in manifestation. That's why you're a child of God today. You are not a child of God. Oh, I have decided to follow Jesus. That's not where it started from. Salvation did not begin from your decisions. Salvation began from eternity past. You just happened to have stepped into that which God ordained before creation. When you read Ephesians chapter 1, he tells you how God planned salvation. He tells you how God paid for salvation. And he tells you how God perfected salvation. Ephesians chapter 1. We see the father initiated salvation. And then Jesus came to pay the price for salvation. Then the Holy Ghost came to perfect salvation. He said, whereby ye are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. What manner of love that the father has bestowed upon us. That we should be called the children of God. So Bible salvation is possible. Somebody say Bible salvation. It's possible. Because of God's rich mercies. And his great love for humanity. Yeah, we need to understand that we have to let human beings know that God loves them. We have to let people know God loves them. God loves people. God loves people. That's why I can't accept a Christian who hates people. I can't understand a Christian who is calling fire on people. Calling fire on his enemies. When you were God's enemy, he didn't do that. He sent his son to come and die in your place. So that reconciliation can take place. And you are going extra mile to destroy lives. Jesus said the son of man did not come to destroy man's lives. But to save it. That is the mandate you and I have. And I pray that we will execute this mandate faithfully. Amen. Can somebody give me a belief in amen? amen? Number two, Bible salvation is found in Christ alone. Somebody say Bible salvation. Bible salvation. It's found in Christ alone. Christ. Yeah, most of the time we, we are. So we mean all of these Muslims are going to hell. All of these Hindus are going to hell. Listen, you better do what he has asked you to do and stop asking where they will go to. 
Because without Christ, all men are dead. Somebody say, all men are dead. Yeah. No matter what religion you belong to. Without Christ, you are dead. At the center of your life, you are dead. If you are born once, you die twice. But if you are born twice, you die once. When you read the book of Ephesians, take your time and read it. You see, through whom, in whom, by whom, in Christ, repeated several times. Everything we have and we are is in Christ. Somebody say, everything I have and everything I am is in Christ. Look at even that short verse, Ephesians 2, verse 4 to 7. Look at it. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, when we were dead in sins, made us alive together with Together with, by grace you have been saved. Look at verse. And raised us up together and made us sit in the heavenly places where? In Christ. In Christ. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. That's where it's found. Salvation is found in Christ Jesus. It's found what? No matter how long a person takes to debate it, it doesn't change it. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. If any man comes through me, I'm the door to the Father. If you won't come through me, you have no access to the Father. Look at what he says. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's what? Where are you a new creation? Where you are in Christ. You may be in any other place. In Buddha, you are not in Christ. In Muhammad, you are not in Christ. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 22. He says, for us in Adam. Somebody say, for us in Adam. All died. Even so in Christ. All shall be made. Where is a man made alive? In Christ. Where is a man made alive? Where is a man made alive? Say it louder. Where is a man made alive? In Christ Christ alone. In Christ alone. My hope is found. That's the place. In Christ and in Christ alone. In the book of Acts chapter 4 verse 12. It said, for neither is there salvation in any other name. Look at this. When I was in JHS, I used to fill this art form. I think art. I don't know whether it was World Bible School also that used to do arts. How many of you ever failed at? It, it was a pen par kind of thing. They will send it to you. You will fill it. One of the scriptures that stuck with me from then was us. Neither is there salvation in any. Look at it. Oh, any salvation in any. Yeah. Because increasingly people are making us believe that, that you can believe in something else and still make it to heaven. I want you to understand that salvation is only through one person. His name is Christ. Any other salvation that purpose to give you another way to God apart from Christ is fake. Only Christ. Somebody say, Only Christ. He's the way. He said, Neither is there any salvation in any other. No matter how long you follow, no matter what you do to yourself. Oh, when I blast myself, I'll get uh, seven virgins to marry. You, are not, you don't even know what you are talking about. Because in that place, nobody even have a desire to marry. Neither is there salvation, for there is none other. Name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be among men, where we must be saved. That only name is the name Jesus. Wherefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Somebody shout an amen. amen. 
So Romans tells us, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Are you with me here? I mean, look at John again. Because if you want to understand the eternal life and the realities of who you are, John also helps you. First John 5, verse 11 and 12, he said, this is the testimony. Somebody said, this is the testimony. Uh-huh. So other people are saying yes, but he said this is the testimony. It's not one of the testimony. This is it. When they use the word death, it means that there's nothing after it. It's not one of them. This is the testimony that God has given us what? God has given me. Say, I have eternal life. Ooh, shout, I have eternal life. Eternal life means that sickness and disease cannot dwell in your body. You have eternal life. I have it. I have it. I have it. You know how people say, I have a heart condition. No. <laughs> There's something else you have which you are no more conscious of. You have eternal life in your spirit. Amen. I have a heart condition. No. I have eternal life. Amen. He said, God has given us eternal life. And this life, somebody say this life. This life, Ooh, this life is where? This life is in his son. God has given us eternal life. This life is in his son. Verse 13, read that with me. He that hath the son has life. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. Verse 13, he says, These things are written unto you who believe in the name of the son of God that you may know that you have eternal life, that you may continue to believe in the name of the son of God. Can somebody say an amen? Amen. That's it. The eternal life is in the Son. Anybody who believes anything else is not a candidate for eternal life. It's as simple as that. The eternal life is in the Son. Somebody says it's in the Son. Oh, can I talk about this? Number three, Bible salvation is through grace alone. Say through grace alone. Say Bible salvation is through grace alone. Yeah, grace and grace alone. Grace and grace alone. Grace. Look at that. For by grace you have been saved. When religion blinds your mind, sometimes you can be reading your Bible in reverse gear. When religion blinds your mind, something that is so obvious will be so difficult to see. I've been on that side before. You will see it. The Spirit of God will bring it to you. You still cannot accept it. (laughs) That's why I've been praying. Since I began this series, one of the prayers I've been praying and increasingly under our new dispensation is the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Because when that comes, it becomes easier. I may say that the Holy Ghost will interpret it to you much better than whatever I'll say. But if the spirit of wisdom and revelation is not present, I can preach 10 pages of notes. You will still not comprehend anything. Look at that. It says, for by grace you've been saved. For by grace, by grace you have been saved. True and that not of your it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If we have time, we'll just look at each of them. For by grace. Then he said, you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man. The word grace comes from the Greek word charis. And charis means that which is given, which is not earned. That which is given, which is not earned. It's given. It's gifted to you. You don't earn it. You don't earn it. If I ask you tomorrow, if you die, where are you going? You say, I don't know. You don't believe that God has gifted you with salvation. Because you are looking at yourself. Probably you are looking at what you did yesterday. Somebody you insulted two days ago. Somebody you fornicated with three days ago. And because of that, you are taking yourself out. 
Salvation is a gift. Somebody says it's a gift. He says, that which is given, which is not earned. Please understand that very, very well. Understand that. That's what it is. It's a gift. It's a gift. That which is given, which is not earned. Now, if you want to appreciate this better, let's throw a birthday party, and then maybe you have a friend who is dead and in the mock. Let's invite him. All your friends are bringing you gifts. Go and receive a gift from your friend in the mock. Whether you have something to offer you. A dead person has nothing to offer. That's why God gifted you life. That's why Paul, before he talked about the fact that salvation is by grace, he tells you that you are dead. In other words, you don't have any contribution in this matter. Dead people don't make contributions. So if God had counted on you to do anything, salvation would have been impossible. Am I communicating here? Salvation would have not been possible if it depended on you to contribute anything at all because you couldn't contribute it. You were dead. You were bankrupt. You were incapable. You were inactive. There's nothing you had to offer. There was nothing good you could offer. He raised you up. That which is given, which is not end. That's salvation. Look at Titus 2. He said, for the grace of God that brings salvation. Salvation. The grace of God that brings what? How does salvation come through the grace of God? The grace of God that brings salvation. Apostle Paul is speaking about salvation in his own encounter with Christ. First Timothy chapter 1 verse 12. He said, I thank Christ Jesus who has enabled me. Let's read it together. Because he counted me. Let's read it together. I thank Christ Jesus. Be faithful. Putting me into the ministry. Verse 13. He said, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly. In Oh, I said, and the grace of God was exceeding abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That's Apostle Paul. Then he talks about it. He says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of what? That Christ Jesus came into the world to save, of whom I am. Oh, verse 16. He says, however, for this reason, I obtain mercy. Say, I obtain mercy. I obtain mercy. You remember the gentleman who was shown mercy? Jesus gave a parable about a man who obtained mercy. You remember that person? And then, another person needed mercy. What did he do? He said, I'm not showing you mercy. The reason why we can't go deep in prayer to intercede mercifully for the souls of others is because we think that we earn our salvation. Oh, me, I was born into a Christian home. You were born DOA, dead on arrival. Yeah, dead on arrival. That's how you were born. None of us was born alive. All of us were born dead. That's why you have to be born again if you want to live. The first birth is announcing your death. The second birth announces your life. That's why life does not begin at 40. 80. Life begins with Christ. Amen. You are dead without Christ. Life begins with Christ. I'm looking forward to my 50th birthday. <laughs> then my life will begin. <laughs> Your life is already reducing. I was at Reverend Moses O'Kay's birthday the last time and he gave a certain analogy. I went there with Pastor Ray, right? He gave a certain beautiful analogy that I love so much. He said most of the time when we celebrate our birthday, we say God has added another year to my life. <laughs> as if it's now that God is giving you years but the years of your life has been determined before you came it is you that your date of death is a discovery God he knows it already 
<laughs> That's why in the book of Psalm 90 verse 12, the man Moses said, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. You see, when you see that every time you celebrate your birthdays, your days on earth are reducing and diminishing, you'll be mindful how you use your life. You'll be mindful how you use your life. The way you are using your life, using anyhow, living anyhow, thinking that you have more days. Because when you think that God has added another year to your life, you are looking at more days. But when you see that it's reducing, you'll be looking at how to prioritize your life. The most important things you need to commit your life to. Am I communicating here? That thing really hit me as a revelation. Teach us. Teach us. Somebody say, by grace. grace. Salvation is by grace. When we say something is by grace, it means, number one, you don't work for it. Number two, it's not something you could make payment for. It's gift. I don't think since I married her, I've given her anything. This is a a nice uh, iPhone for you. The price is 2,000 Ghana CD. That's not a gift. She's paying for it. Anytime you have to pay or work for something, it defeats the purpose of it. It's not a gift. A gift is something you receive without working for. And that's what salvation is. Because at the time that gift was given to us, there was nothing we actually had to contribute. One, we were dead, so we couldn't have contributed anything. And even if we were alive, there was nothing we had that committed. Salvation is man's greatest need. And that was a need man could never meet. That was man's greatest need. And yet, it was a need man could never meet. All his years, he could never meet. That's what God has gifted to us freely. Somebody say, Father, thank you for your grace. I thank you that I'm saved by grace. Say, thank you that I'm saved by grace. Number four, Bible salvation is accessible through faith. It's a gift and you have to accept it. Like right now, you are imagining, can I, is it really true that <laughs> I'm saved and I don't have to do anything to it? Yeah, that's where faith comes in. You have to believe it. Because Satan will come to you. The moment you mess up, he will tell you, you, you think you are saved. So if you are saved, will you be doing this? Then you tell him, Satan, I'm saved by grace. I am saved by That's it. Because a lot of people who think they are not saved is because they think that they have a certain contribution to make. So when they don't make their contribution, then they feel they are not saved. But salvation is not a subject of feeling. It's a subject of faith. The Bible said, by grace you are saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Somebody say the gift of God. God. Say the gift of God. In the book of John chapter 3, verse 16 to 18, he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, whosoever have faith in him, faith in him, whosoever will place his faith in him, should not perish. Not whosoever will believe him and not sin again. Whosoever believe him and will start going to church. Whosoever believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Then he tells you clearly, for God did not send his son to come and condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. Verse 18, he said, he who believes, somebody say he who believes. So salvation is a product of faith. Have you believed Christ? Have you placed your faith in Christ? If you have, you are saved. Somebody say, I'm saved. You see, there's a difference between being born again and being a matured Christian. And most of the time, preachers sometimes get it messed up. Because somebody is acting wrong, like for instance, if you have a child, and that child, instead of putting food in his mouth, decides to put the food in his nose, does that child cease to be a human being? 
Please talk to me. Does that child cease to be a human being? That child is still a human being, is a child. But the child does not know the right place to put food. So what do you do? You teach the child. Is that not it? That's what we do. But unfortunately, we have been taught to believe traditionally. I am safe if I do what is right. You are safe and you can still do what is wrong. Am I communicating here? That's why you are not just saved by grace. You are saved by grace and you live your life by grace. In fact, most of the time when you think that salvation is by grace, but then I have to do something to justify, then you are getting into the realm of works now. There's a certain motivation, and I'll come to it, that should be the foundation for the work you do. There's no amount of work anybody can do to help him gain a right standing with God forever and ever. No. Nobody can be holy enough to be able to stand before God by himself. Nobody. And I challenge all of you who are self-righteous in this place. Yeah. In fact, the thinking that you can be holy enough is why you are not holy enough. That you are even thinking and challenging what I'm saying. That is an indication that you need the mercy of God. That's why the people who embrace salvation usually are humble people. It takes humility to receive. Is that not what it takes? Because none of us wants to feel like I'm dependent, you know, I'm able to do things by myself. That's how everybody... So sometimes you see that somebody is sick and he really needs to come to a place where he receive help and they are still not open to the help because they feel that, no, I should be able to do things for myself. When you are dead, you can't do anything for yourself. And when you are helped, you wake up thanking God. So when you look at the letters of Paul, most of the time, he begins to say, I thank Christ Jesus. Since I heard that you were saved, I began to thank God. Because that was a very precarious situation. That was a situation nobody could do anything about. But the grace of God came through for you and you are saved. Can somebody say an amen? amen. That's it. When you believe, you are saved. Salvation is by grace through faith alone. Somebody say, by grace through faith alone. By grace through faith alone. Say, Bible salvation, Bible salvation is, by is by grace, grace through, faith alone. through faith alone. That's it. It's faith that brings us into. If you read Ephesians chapter 1, he said, in whom you trusted when you believed and you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. When you believe you are sealed, you become God's own. You become God's property at the point of belief. So, all that has been said to establish the fact that number five, Bible salvation is a gift. Somebody say, Bible salvation is a gift. Bible salvation is a gift. Say, I am saved. I am saved. Out, of God's benevolence. Out of God's benevolence. Bible salvation is a gift. Bible salvation is a gift. Bible salvation is a gift. All the thoughts are coming from Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. For by grace you are saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is. It is. It is a gift. It's a gift. Listen. Every time you feel that you have to do something to prove that you are saved, you are defeating God's salvation. Bible salvation. Because it is not of yourselves. So it's not self-effort. There are things we do because we are saved. And most of the time people confuse the two. There are things we do because we are saved. There's nothing we can do to be saved. But there are things we do because we are saved. All the New Testament letters are written in that context. One, it establishes the fact that you cannot save yourself. So, when he's addressing New Testament believers, he addresses them from the point of view that you are saved. And because you are saved, now do this. He does not say do this to be saved. When Jesus was on earth, a man went to him. He said, what shall I do to be saved? Jesus said, wrong question. You are asking the wrong question. 
Then he told him, because he knew where he was coming from, he was coming from a self-righteous attitude. So he told him, you know, the commandments. He said, I've observed them. Oh, he said, wow, you've done very well. Go and sell all that you have. (laughs) And then come follow me. And that was it. That was it. That was it. Because he said he had observed all the law. But the first of the law, he could not obey it. Thou shalt have no other gods but me. Go and sell all that you have and come and follow me. In other words, don't put anything before me. And the guy went, he couldn't come back. This was a man who was in self-righteousness defending himself that he was okay and he could obey all the law. He just gave him one. Go and sell all you have and come and follow me. He couldn't obey it. The Bible says, by the deeds of the law, no man is justified. No man can follow the law to its very least detail. No. So Jesus came to fulfill the law so that he can stand before God and lift up his hands. Father, in me, all the righteousness of the law is fulfilled. And anybody who believes in Christ, God credits that to your account. So when you stand before God, he does not see you. He sees you in Christ. That's what the Bible says. If any man is in Christ... God sees you. The reason why you have a right standing before God is not because of you. It's not because you didn't tell a lie. You don't fornicate. That's not why you have a right standing before God. You have a right standing before God because you have placed your faith in Christ. Can somebody shout an amen? When I say I'm righteous, it doesn't mean that I have never sinned. No, it's because I'm standing in Christ. And in Christ, God does not see my sin. He sees the righteousness of Christ Jesus. Can somebody say an amen? The Bible said, therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified. For the knowledge of the law is sin. Somebody say it's a gift. Say salvation is a gift. Say heaven is a gift. Now, listen. If your greatest need has been gifted to you, don't you think that whatever, if, for instance, your greatest need is a house, and I give you a house, in the natural, shouldn't you be grateful to me the rest of your life? That's all. So if you are looking for one reason to ever be praising God and thanking God. This is it. The greatest need we have, which we could never meet, he met it for us without our contribution. Praise God. That's why I can't struggle with anything if God needs it. Because when I was needing most and I couldn't help myself, he gave me the help. So I respond to that. I respond to grace. Praise the Lord. Giving is a response to grace. There are people who give because they think that when they give, then they will make heaven. No, 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 no. That's not it. You cannot give your way to heaven. (laughs) There's no way you can give to make your way to heaven. (laughs) Even the thinking that you are giving your way to heaven makes your giving unacceptable in the first place. Bible salvation is a gift. Look, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. Did you see that? What is the wages of sin? Is death. The gift of God is eternal life. So eternal life is not something we work for. It's a gift to us. Somebody say it's a gift. Now, if you are still doubting what I'm saying, and these are fundamentals. I don't want to rush this thing because I will teach it again and again. These are things I will teach every year because you have to be so sure. One of the things you have to be sure about is the security of your salvation. No. No, 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 no. When I die tomorrow, you should not be in doubt whether pastor is in heaven or not. In fact, I am sitting in heaven now and operating on earth. Because I am a citizen of heaven and I'm here. I have been sent on earth to fulfill heaven's mandate. I said it. If you are waiting to go to heaven, you may not get there. But if you enter heaven here, you are already there. Because the moment you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, you become a citizen of heaven. And then he loans you on earth. 
because he needs you to do an assignment here. And so he calls you his ambassador because your citizen changed. Your citizenship what? Changed. Look at this. Look at this. Romans chapter 4, verse 1 to 6. He said, so what can we say that Abraham, the father of our people, learned about faith? If Abraham was made right by the things he did, look at that. He had a reason to brag, and I'm getting to this. But that is not God's view. Because the scripture says, Abraham believed God. Salvation is by faith. And God accepted his faith. And that faith made him right with God. Are you following? When a people work, their pay is not as a given as a gift, but as something they earn. Is that not it? When you work at the end of the day, your boss cannot say, I'm gifting you 1,500 CDs. No. If after he has given you your pay, he asks that one, then you can say, boss, thank you for the gift. But not your salary check as a gift. You have worked for it. But people cannot do any work that will make them right with God. So, they must trust him. Somebody say trust him. They must trust him. Who makes evil people right in his sight? Then God accepts their faith and that makes them right with him. Can somebody say an amen? Amen. Bible salvation number six is devoid of works. Somebody say devoid of works. works. Say Bible salvation salvation is devoid of works. Oh, look at this. He said, For by grace you are saved through faith. Ephesians first. By grace you are saved through faith and done not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of, not of, not of, not of, say it, not of, not of, not of works. Not of works. Not of works. Not of works. It is the gift of God, not of works. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It is it's not of work. Somebody say it's not of work. <laughs> Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8 to 9. Therefore, do not be ashamed of me, of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Verse 9. Look at this. Who saved us? How did he save us? And called us with an holy calling. Let's read it together. Not according to our works which we have done, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before. Somebody say an amen. Amen. Not according to our own ways. Listen, this plan God had for our salvation did not begin with you. Before time began, God designed it that it should be so. Not according to our works, which we have done. Not according to our works, which we have done. (laughs) But according to his own purpose and grace. Somebody say, save for a purpose. purpose. And I'm getting close to that place. Save for a purpose. Save by grace, save for a purpose. Save by grace, save for a purpose. Somebody say, I'm saved by grace. I'm saved for a purpose. Now look at Titus. Titus puts it in a very interesting way. For we ourselves, I like texts like this. You see, you always have to understand that God views the Christian differently. And the Christian must also see himself differently. He said, for we ourselves were once foolish. Somebody say, I'm no longer a foolish person. I'm no longer a foolish person. He said, disobedient. Somebody say, I'm no longer disobedient. I'm no longer disobedient. I, do I do the word of God as a lifestyle. You were sometimes foolish, disobedient, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Oh, but when? Somebody say when. when? Ooh, you know, the title of the message was but. 
then I changed it because I wanted to include a lot of things. But, 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 he said you were once foolish, disobedient, deceived. But, when the kindness of God, the word kindness and the love of God put together is what we call grace. When the grace of God toward men appeared, oh, go to verse 5. Not by works of righteousness which we have, but according to his mercy, he did what? Through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, he says, let's read it quickly. Wait, what did he pour abundantly on us? His mercy and grace, the Holy Spirit, came through us. Now, that having been justified by... You see, no, the word justification is to stand before God as if you have never sinned. You have been justified. Justified and acquitted. <laughs> the lawyers will explain it better to you. He said, having been justified by grace, we should become as according to the hope eternal life. Look at it. This is a faithful saying and these things I want to affirm constantly. That those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These are profitable unto men. We will come back to this. Look at this. I said it's a gift and then I said it's what? Devoid of what? Devoid of? And then number seven is devoid of boasting. Somebody say devoid of boasting. Devoid of boasting. boasting. When you do something, Romans, where we read in the New Century Version, he said when you work out something, then you can brag about it. How many of you remember when we are reading about Abraham, our father? He said you can brag about it when you have worked for something. But what has been gifted to you, can't brag about it. Oh, Charlie, come and see this, my Mercedes I bought. No, you didn't buy it. They gave it to you as a gift. So you show appreciation for what has been gifted. It is devoid of works. For you have been saved by grace through faith and the honor of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works. Lest anyone should what? Lest anyone should what? Please say it. Lest anyone should boast. Lest anyone should boast. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. He told this parable to those who trusted. Please follow this. He told the parable to those who trusted where? In themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Look at this. Those who believe that their own works can save them. He said, two men went into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And they began to list all the things. I fast twice a week. I read tithes of all. But the tax collector standing afar off will not even lift up his eyes. But beat his chest saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. This is almost like an altar call. He's responding to an altar. Be merciful to me, a sinner. Because without Christ, all of us stand in need of mercy before God. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what Jesus illustrated. You know why Jesus gave his sharpest of rebukes to the Pharisees? Because they were pretenders seeking to achieve raising standards they themselves could not meet. He says, he looked at them, be merciful toward me a sinner. And I like the last version. But I tell you, this man went to his house justified. Okay? Rather than the other for everyone who exalts himself will be but the one who humbles himself will be now is it not the same thing in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 by grace you are saved who gets humility from God he said he giveth grace to the humble he giveth grace that's why salvation is for those who humble themselves many people who are not saved they want to do something to get themselves saved that's why they are not saved pride is keeping them away pride nobody can save himself all of us stand in need of a savior 
Somebody shout an amen. amen. Listen, the best of human works are sell futile rock before God. Somebody say the best of human works. No one will be able to work hard enough to justify himself. Let me close with this. The ultimate goal of Bible salvation is good works. Somebody say the ultimate goal. Yeah, the ultimate goal. So the ultimate goal is good works. You are not saved by works, but you are saved for works. Somebody say, I'm saved for works. Say, I'm saved for works. Uh-huh. So you are saved by grace and you are saved for a purpose. Somebody say, I'm saved by grace. I'm saved for a purpose. I'm saved by grace. I'm saved for a purpose. Say it again. I'm saved by grace. I'm saved for a purpose. Now let's go back to where we read and I run it up. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. 2 verse 10. Uh-huh. You see, the person whose works will be accepted is the one who is born again. Are you with me here? Yeah. When you get born again, there is only one judgment that is awaiting you. Is the judgment of your works. Somebody say the judgment of my works. That's why when we get born again, what we do for God is so important. Because according to John chapter 3, verse 16 to 18, the one who has believed God has passed from death to life. There's no judgment again. But when you get born again, we shall all appear before God to give account of our stewardship. What you did with your time, what you did with your money, what you did with your treasure, what you did with your talent. God will be asking you, every one of them. Because you see, you are only useful to God when you are born again. Are you with me? You are only useful to God when you are what? If you are not born again, you are dead. What can a dead man give you? What can a dead man? Talk me, talk to me. What can a dead man? So because you were dead, in order for God to use you, he has to give you life first. And once he has given you life, now you can use that life to do something which he can accept. That's why before salvation, your works are foolish before God. But after salvation, your works are highly valued before God. When you get born again, what you do for God is very important. And I beg you, don't sit in church and do nothing. Don't be a believer and do nothing. That's not how you live as a Christian. You become a Christian by doing nothing. And after becoming a Christian, you must do everything. Are you with me here? Are you with me here? Yeah. The moment you become born again, look, your greatest need has been met. What do you need again? Now that you are saved, that's why, this was the understanding the early apostles had. They were ready, the Bible said they did not love their lives even to the point of death. They were ready to die. They gave up their lives. Why? Because they knew that there was a better resurrection. They had received something very priceless and precious. There's a sermon I'm preparing. Let your life count. My question is, how is your life counting? What is it value before God? Your life was worth nothing before salvation. But now you are saved. Your life must be so valuable. Your life must be so valuable. Jesus must look at you from heaven and seeing the things you are doing with your time, your money, and getting them into you should feel satisfied that you were worth dying for. Am I communicating here? You were worth dying for. Does he ever feel that you were worth dying for? You see, when we serve God, whether it's in cleaning, whatever, we are doing it as a part of our appreciation towards him for what he has done. A lot of people are coming to clean church and they say because they want to break through. When you sweep the church, you are sweeping your enemies away. All of those are foolish stuff. Foolish stuff, please. You see, the things we do for God, when we understand grace, 
it will always be with a certain deeper appreciation and gratitude. You are saved freely. He said, for we are his workmanship. Look at that. For we are his workmanship. For we are his workmanship. What he has worked on. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. With God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Walk in them. There's a new part of we are supposed to walk. Walk in the new work. Let me close with uh, Revelation chapter 14 verse 13. He said, blessed are those who die in the Lord. Hey, say the spirit of the Lord that may, they may rest from their labor. This is one of my favorite scriptures. I heard a voice heaven say, right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. Somebody say, die in the Lord. You know that people who die outside the Lord, somebody who is not born again, dies outside the Lord. Then he says, those who die in the Lord, yes, says the Spirit of the Lord, that they may rest from their labor and their works follow them. What works are following in this morning? You are saved. And so your works matter. Another part of this series is your works matter. Somebody say, my works matter. My works matter. Because on the day of judgment, there are some people, their works will be bent into ashes. All the things you put your money in, right in your face, it will be bent into ashes. That which you did for the Lord will count for eternity. What are you doing for the Lord? Busy for yourself? Busy for your family? Busy doing that? Busy doing that? The best use of your life is in serving God. Do you understand what I'm saying? The best use of your money is in serving God. The best use of your talent is in serving God. Don't get busy and waste your life. He gave up his life for yours. And you must give yours up for others. Am I communicating here? That's a Christian. A Christian is not the one who is holding on to his life. He's the one who has received the life of Christ. And because he has so received the life of Christ, he's willing to give up his life so that others will receive the life of Christ through him. The Bible said, don't think of your own things, but think about others also. Think about others also. Think about others also. Don't be a selfish person who is always into himself, looking for himself. Christ did all of that for you so that we would be empowered and be taught how we ought to live our lives. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1, he says, dearly beloved children of God, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love. Look at this. He said, just as Christ loved us and gave himself. Why are you not willing to give yourself? He gave himself. He gave heaven's best for you. Your works are useless before salvation, but your works are highly valuable. Are you with me this morning? Have you been blessed this morning? Now, if you are not born again, no matter what it is you are doing, it's a useless thing. Because you are dead, and that's where one will start it from. You want to start it from life. It is only people who are alive who can walk. There are those who can witness. There are those who can preach. There are those who can pray. There are those who are alive. This morning, God wants to make you alive. Stand on your feet. He has given you life. You want to receive that life. You want to receive that life now. Bow down your heads, everybody. Bow down your heads, everybody. You are here this morning. You know you are not alive. You know that your spirit is dead. You don't have any connection to God. And you want to be reunited with God. Wherever you are, lift up your hands. Let me pray with you. You want to accept Jesus and make him your Lord and Savior. You want to say, Father, I want to connect to life so I can live my full life. Lift up your hands. Let me pray with you. If you want to accept Jesus and make him your Lord and Savior, you want to say this prayer after me. Mean every word. And then believe it in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess that you are my Lord and my Savior. I believe with my heart that you died and rose again for me. 
by my belief, I am justified. And by my confession, I am saved. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. If you pray that prayer in faith, you are a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God bless you. We look forward to having you join us again and again. You are blessed. Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our service at our headquarter church from 8.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. for our good news service. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakuma Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santata Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel, Facebook or YouTube pages. God richly bless you. Oh,